Welcome back to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. Alongside me is Lupe Ramirez, and I have finally made the trip back. This is the KC to AZ episode here, episode 61. And even though I'm glad to be back, it feels good to be back. It's kind of a sad, sad day when you think about Pinal County sports, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would. Before we actually start, I want to say welcome back, bro. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. And yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate since you've been away. Our Pinal County teams have systematically been knocked out uh, one by one. If you go back a week when we go into our 3A and we look at the teams that were able to make it there, we're two teams that battled it out on their last game, and that's ALA Ironwood and Florence. Were you able to see that game or any of those games from NFHS while you were out in Kansas? Yes, actually, uh, I was able to. Um, I kind of had uh, my own little split screen going um, on NFHS. I was watching ALA Ironwood uh, take on Valley Christian. And then uh, I was able to uh, log into YouTube uh, to uh, tune into Thatcher's YouTube channel and see them take on the Florence Gophers. So all in all, I kind of was uh, caught the games in the middle of the first quarter. And, you know, at that point, I think uh, Thatcher was up a couple touchdowns on Florence. And ALA Ironwood was uh, surprisingly, I think, leading at that time against Valley Christian. So it was two tough matchups for both of our 3A teams. And I think that they did their absolute best. You know, I know when you think about Florence and uh, making it a second straight year to the playoffs, this was a game that was going to be tough no matter what their record was. Uh, Thatcher is a very tough team. They play in that tough 3A South. And unfortunately, uh, they uh, got the best taking of them. But ALA Ironwood, how about them? All the way into the end with the number two uh, Valley Christian Trojans, and taking them all the way down to the wire where they lost on a three-point field goal in the end. So all in all, I think it was a very good uh, game for both of our teams, just unfortunately came up a little bit short. Yeah, on the ALA Ironwood side, I feel like they had an unbelievable run this season. If you look at the first year from Coach Dawson, he was able to implement a system that these boys were able to buy in And they gave their all this season. And we got to see it on multiple instances where at times they were either facing adversity or uh, it just seemed like they were out of sync. Like the Coolidge game, for example, everything on on both sides of the ball seemed like it was out of sync, but they proved to be the better team against the Bears. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at ALA Ironwood, in, in that last game especially, they proved that the Trojans were not invincible. And I feel like even though that they did lose by three points, they, they gave it their all. And I got to give a shout out to our boy, David Navarro, who was out there and live streaming the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And I was able to hop on and, and find out the final score and, and see what was going on at the end. And he said it, it was a heated game that he was, he wouldn't be surprised if things got chippy at the end, because that's how hard both sides played. And, I, I, I felt like it was that way for every one of our teams as they got knocked out because we'll touch on it later how you came into Arizona and just hours afterward ended up going to see Post and Butte play CDO. But what were some things that you had noticed in 
ALA Ironwood that was different from last year and years prior where we had just become introduced to the Warriors? I think uh, the first thing you got to take notice of is their defense. Their defense kept them in a lot of ball games uh, throughout the course of the season. If you look at that opening game against Marinci, they lost 6-0. to Their offense wasn't able to put up any points, but their defense kept it reasonable. And then as you go down through the schedule, there was a point where they had only given up around 30 to 35 points in their first four to five games. And that's really unheard of, especially in 3A football, for a defense to be that dominant. And then, you know, um, I think I think what you got to look at into this year is it was a lot more run heavy with Aiden Williams doing his thing at running back, even though over the f- course of the last two years it's been like that. But having somebody like Connor Mull at quarterback, they were able to throw the ball a little bit more. But I think just being a straight run and defensive type team, it showed that there's something to keep your eye on when it comes to ALA Ironwood, especially with the amount of people they're going to have returning next year. Yeah, and speaking of those players to watch as they return, you you touched on them uh, just a bit ago. Aiden Williams, the running back, was the leading rusher in 3A and will be a definitely must-watch player in his senior season next year. A couple more players to keep an eye on would be Marcus Dorsey, the defensive back, quarterback Jet Brewster, wide receiver Hudson Graves, Bentley Hatch, and of course, the offensive tackle, Braden Mendoza. A lot of good players that will be returning, but then you have to consider all the players that they're losing as well. Like A.J. Villasenor, the captain who had Mm -hmm. to deal with a ton of injuries and was unfortunately not able to play towards the end of the season. Then you also have Carson Carrasco, who is their sack leader, and Gabe Cantor, who is their reception leader. So they're losing quite a bit of talent. I feel like the one thing that I would like ALA Ironwood to do is find that solid receiver. That That's mm-hmm. one thing that I feel like somebody like uh, Hudson Graves can, can fulfill. He can be that go-to target for Jet or, or any other quarterback who could be in that system because one thing that we've learned this season for sure is that injuries can be plentiful and they can come out of nowhere. But with them having their final two games being legit battles and them only losing by six points combined mm-hmm. in those two games, I feel like the Warriors have nothing to hang their head about, don't you? No, most definitely. And, you know, uh, to only have a couple wins uh, coming in from last year to not only having a winning record at six, they were six and four in the regular season and then dropped the game to Valley Christian, but also making the playoffs for the first time at the AIA level, it speaks volumes as to how this team is buying into Coach Dawson and the amount of people they have returning. They have to be an early favor when it comes to the 3A Central. The one thing that I want to see from ALA Ironwood uh, coming into next year is airing the ball out a little bit more. It seems at times they get too dependent on Aiden Williams. And when you run into good teams like Valley Christian, who kind of locked him up for a little while there, and he was able to break off uh, here and there. But when it comes down to it, there was two incidences these last two games where they had to rely on the pass and not having that sink or having that quarterback that can drive the ball downfield. It kind of sets you up for failure if you're just a one-dimensional team. But that's just my opinion in the end, is that that's the one thing I would want to see is for them to develop 
an aerial attack that's a little bit more consistent and not just going based off the run. And and one thing that I would like to say is I know that they felt like they were so close to it that they battled all the way from whistle to whistle, and they did. And one thing that they got to do is take this pain and, and let it soak. And what sucks is that they get to watch their opponents play in the state championship game against Paradise Honors. And if they oh, win? Oh, the semifinals. It's, is it the semifinals? Yeah, final four. Uh, them two uh, teams you named, and then uh, so a rematch between Sabino and Mojave. Ooh. So those are your final four and three right there. But either way, you know, they got to watch Valley Christian advance. Yeah, they get, so they get to watch them. And in this game, it, they just got to relish the moment. Whether they, they win or lose, just know that they were that close to being next to one of the most prolific teams in Arizona right now because they're getting nationwide recognition based on how well they're doing and their quarterback plays. So mm-hmm. if, if you're ALA Ironwood, just keep your heads up. And, Absolutely. And one thing I got to say is – we want to say thank you to Shamrock Farms Rockin' Protein. Yes, sir. Rockin' Protein is the official protein drink of ALA Ironwood Athletics. Rockin' Protein is made with 100% real Shamrock Farms milk and high-quality protein. Find it in the dairy aisle. Gotta love that one, especially uh, all the booster clubs over there, ALA Ironwood, taking care of us, including uh, their sponsors as well. But let's move into our other 3A team uh, that made the playoffs, and that's the Florence Gophers. Finished 8-2 and two in the regular season and were the 3A Central champions going 4-0 and o in region play. First off, overall thoughts of the Florence Gophers, second consecutive year making the playoffs. Yeah, you said it, it was another great year for Coach Hart and the Gophers. This time they go 8-2 and two and go back into the playoff for back-to-back years. So it's really good for the Gophers to – have that common success, I would say, so that they know that they've, they've done it before, they can do it again. This year or this next season, I feel like their goal has to be to get out of that first round. That's going to be something Absolutely. that's going to be hanging over their heads. And now that it, it has happened two years in a row, it's going to be something that's definitely looked at, not only at a, a, a statistician standpoint, but from an opponent standpoint. You're gonna If you're in that first round and if you're – opponent is the Gophers don't you have that little bit of confidence knowing that they've been there for the past couple years but they've also never made it out that round of the dance well and then you also got to look at the quality of opponents where were they ranked the last two years they had to travel all the way up uh, I believe last year to play Round Valley Mm -hmm. who's not a slouch team very good team and then coming into this year talking about Thatcher and I think what kind of hurt Florence was just where they were ranked. You know, uh, they ended up falling to the number 10 uh, seed, even though uh, a few weeks prior to that, they were as high as number six. So that really changed a lot of things when it comes to playoff play. And I think if they were able to play a different team in the first round, they might have been able to pick up a victory. But Thatcher is a very great defensive team, and they just know how to run the ball, use up the clock, and kind of get things – and kind of get you behind early where it's uh, tough to come back. Yeah, and, and one thing that I would like to highlight about this group is that they were adaptable, and their mm-hmm. resourcefulness was able to overcome obstacles and find that solace within themselves. Like one thing that I've noticed with this team that was different from uh, a couple of teams prior was 
there wasn't a lot of bickering on the sidelines. There was a lot of picking each other up and, and being focused more at the task at hand instead of the, the thing that went wrong or the assignment that was blown in the last play. So I think Florence themselves have, have done a lot of growing up. The thing that's going to suck is seeing the people that they're losing to graduation this year. Guys like Isaiah Martinez, Kanan Neal, Josh Jackson, who unfortunately had to deal with a lot of injuries this season and wasn't quite able to showcase all of his talents in the 10-game span that he was allowed. And also alignment like Gage Ackley, Adam Thrasher, and the Gooch boys, CJ and Cleveland. So they're losing quite a lot of players, but when it comes to the players that they have coming back, they have a lot of key players that will be coming back, like Darren Swain, the junior wide receiver, Zay Cundiff, the junior linebacker, and you can't forget their quarterback who's going to be a senior next season, Logan Stenson. And how about this guy, Malik Smith, a name that came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. because we were both expecting this to be the season that Josh Jackson has his coming out party. Uh And instead, in his absence, we were able to get introduced to Mr. Smith. What were your thoughts on Malik's impact on the Florence Gophers offense. I th- I thought he did an amazing job. I thought the two uh, names we were going to hear throughout the course of the year were Josh Jackson and uh, Kanan Neal. But uh, when Josh went down and they had to find a solid running back, Malik, uh, you know, showed up. And those are the things you want when it comes to uh, who's coming off the bench and kind of striving in that role you know it's the next man up mentality and he did just that and even in the playoff game Josh got to play uh, in that playoff game but they lined him up quite a bit at wide receiver so something uh, different when it comes to your star player at running back coming back they felt that Malik could probably do a little bit more for them in the backfield and put Josh at a different position so uh I think overall, you look at that core of players you just named, I think Florence is going to be just fine. They got a good young line that's only going to get better. And they're another one that you have to talk about as being your early favorites when it comes to that 3A Central, especially them going 4-0 in region play. So I think they're going to be just fine. Just like you said, got to get out of that first round. That's the big goal for next year because I really do think they're going to be a playoff team again next year. Now it's taking that next step and trying to advance uh, throughout the playoffs. And and Florence was able to stop an eight-year drought of region championships. So with them winning this region championship, it puts them back in that title picture of a team that can be one of those elite teams that could possibly be a state champion. One thing that I would like to say is that we're going to be keeping a close eye on all of these players and see how their work in the offseason will translate onto the field next season. All right, well, moving into the games that happened this last Thursday, let's talk about what happened in Scottsdale as the Santa Cruz Dust Devils visited the Scottsdale Christian Eagles. Now, this wasn't a game that I was able to catch the entire game. Actually, this is, I wasn't able to catch any of it because – I was in Glendale watching Cassie Graham play Apollo, and then I had left at halftime to go catch the action out at Scottsdale. Problem being is that there was really hardly anywhere to park, and when I finally got a place to park and I thought that I was going to get into the stadium, the side that I had went to 
was lock, locked up and I had looked up at the clock. It was 2.47 to go. And I was like, if by the time I get around to where I'm, I'm supposed to get in, I'm just going to see a bunch of sad faces. And do, do I really want to put myself in that situation where I went there for photos? Mm-hmm. I don't want to grab those photos because right. we want to highlight their accomplishments. And, and granted, that game was far from an accomplishment. But one thing that I would like to highlight is at the end of it, Coach Tommy Cortez had told his boys that you, you take this feeling and, and you, you take it all in. He's like, you go and you thank your parents for coming. You thank everybody who was here. And you come back again in the summer ready to work. And I feel that's exactly what these Dust Devils are going to do. They're, they're still very young. Mm-hmm. The fact that they were able to go into a tough environment like Scottsdale Christian and give it all they had. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough because we know what type of team Scottsdale Christian and and that school itself, what kind of athletes they produce. Mm -hmm. No, you hit it right on the head. You know, uh, I believe um, they went five and four last year, turn around, go eight and two. And not only that, they win a tough two way uh, salt region and become champions there. So overall, it's not a down year by any means when you think about the Dust Devils. You know, not only did they make it back to the playoffs, they actually advanced. They are our only team this year, if you think about it, that advanced to the second round of the playoffs. So huge accomplishments. It's just unfortunate that the second uh, round opponent was Scottsdale Christian. And I know it got to hurt Santa Cruz to see Santan Charter in the final four of the two-way playoffs because I think that they were ranked a little bit uh, low whenever the uh, brackets came out. I thought they would have been in the top five, maybe even scratch the top four. But at the end of the day, that's who you get. And, you know, you got to play uh, that tough of a, an opponent. And they were just better. I, that's all I'll say is that uh, they played the better team. But like you said, this team is very, very young. And they got a lot returning uh, coming into next year. And they have to be one of the top favorites, not only in the 2A Salt region, but in the 2A in general because of all the weapons they have returning. Yeah, speaking of some of those returning weapons, you got their quarterback, Nathan Harris, who's going to be returning. Aiden Isagiri, a big running back who is a big difference maker for that offense, for the Dust Devils. Other players like Jonathan and Joaquin Ramos. Chico Reyes. Daniel Contreras, who unfortunately was dealing with a back injury and was unable to compete in the playoffs, I feel like ha- having number 15 on the sidelines and not on the field was a big difference for Coach Tommy Cortez and their offensive coordinator, Mr. Nico Flores, on how they plan to attack these teams in the playoffs. Especially when you're a big uh, passing type of team. Exactly. And then you got to think about their players on the defensive end. Guys like Nick Manuel. And then even uh, Sean Sean Banda, who's been a favorite target for Harris this season. And and I'm looking forward to to see them build that chemistry up this next summer and see, one, see how big they're growing. Because one thing was for sure, from that first media day that we were actually out at Santa Cruz when we actually got to meet that team, get to reintroduce ourselves to Coach Tommy Cortez, you know, welcome welcome him to his new job and – you go look at those boys. Now they've done a ton of growing up, not only in size, but their maturity as well. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm 
very proud of this Dust Devil team, and, and I'm glad that they made it as far as they did. But, of course, we're going to be cheering for them to make it all the way next season. And what about some of the players they're losing? Because, like I said, they're a very junior, sophomore heavy team. Is there any key players that you saw that are a part of the graduating class this year? Yeah, some names that definitely stand out to me are Jeremiah Clark, Juju Alvarado, Jordan Harris, Christian Moreno, Kuka Kalani, Sonny Bridgewater, and James Cobb. Those are some names that definitely stand out to me as far as people that are going to be missed on that Santa Cruz sideline. And a lot of those guys are either D linemen or offensive linemen there, right? Not a, as far as their heavy uh, weapons, those are all going to be coming back. So that's a very good sign, especially when I know uh, some of those seniors were uh, plagued with injuries this year. It allowed that younger core of linemen to come in and make a name for themselves. Yeah, definitely a lot of skill players will be returning for the Dust Devils this next season. All right, let's go into our 4A matchup, which was the Post and Butte Broncos. And uh, they took on the Canyon Del Oro Dorados, where they lost 45 to 20 at the end of that one. And like you were saying uh, early on in the show, that was a game I had just came in uh, from Kansas, uh, got to Tucson. And I think I may have uh, laid the kids down for a nap. And I was like, my son had a game at six. Right after that, uh, I went straight over uh, to uh, CDO to catch this game. And early on, I mean, you just saw how good Canyon de Oro was. And I think after the first quarter, it was 21-0 to uh, and then 38-0 to at halftime. But the one thing I can commend Post and Butte for is they never gave up. They Even though it was down at halftime, you know, the emotions for most of the players, especially the seniors, wasn't a look of excitement by any means, but they turned around and went on a 20-0 run where they got within 18 points. Of course, they had the running clock going on in the second half, so that kind of drained the quarters very quickly, but there was a time there that they were still had a chance to make a couple of plays, but unfortunately, just Canyon Doro proved to be too much and ended up uh, running away with it at the end because... If you look at a kid, his name, uh, he was number 30, uh, Caden Luke. The kid was 5'11", 220. And uh, I don't know if uh, a lot of the younger kids uh, listening in will know this player, but, you know, we talk about Colbert from Micah Mountain being a Jerome Bettis type of running back. Well, this kid was like a Mike Allscott. Like, uh, Post and Butte was trying to take him down, and they were just bouncing off like ping pong balls. That's just how hard this kid ran. And at one point... Uh, I think he had scored like three straight touchdowns. But all in all, you got to be happy with Post and Butte making it back to the postseason because there was a time there we didn't think they had uh, any type of chance. No, you're right. There was a time where we were questioning the the Post and Butte boys' passion and to see whether they, they wanted to win as a group or not or they were more focused on stats and, and self-accomplishments. But with this season, they went 6-4. and four. They had a couple of very close and tough losses to teams like Micah Mountain and Snowflake that could have easily changed their trajectory into the playoffs this season. But they went the way they went. And the, the I feel like the toughest opponents that they had faced were against Campo, Eastmark, and their opponents recently in CDO. And 
all those teams have in common is ridiculous size. Not, and, and I'm not talking about just height. These boys all spend time in the weight room and put in the work to put on that bulk for the season. One player that comes into mind, and particularly when I think about this, is Bo Cotherman. Mm-hmm. Bo would take the time in the fall to bulk up and be as big as he could to be that staunch middle linebacker for the Sabercats. Then you would go and see him in baseball season. He'd be slim, aerodynamic, and ready to play. It, it, it's, it's that type of discipline that I don't see in other players that I feel like Post and Butte is lacking and is just the thing that they're needing for them to climb to the top of that mountain. We've seen them get to the mountaintop and unfortunately get shoved off by a team like Casa Grande. But I think that Post and Butte, with Casa Grande now in the 5A, Post and Butte definitely has the ability to step up and take that mountaintop, don't you? No, I, uh, you hit it uh, right on the head. Uh, that's actually what Coach Thompson and I were talking about after the game is that's what he explained to uh, his players is that when you look at a team like CDO and you see the size and you see the muscle that they have, it's no wonder they ran through this whole 4A uh, schedule that they had going 10-0. and 0. And when you look at it, Post and Butte is definitely very undersized, especially on the uh, defensive line and offensive line where, they're, uh, where they were uh, getting blown off the ball uh, both ways. But I think the thing you have to keep in mind is this is a very junior-heavy class coming into next year. And I think that even though they're losing uh, some key players, especially at the skill position, they're going to be just fine. You know, I think we always talk about Coach Thompson developing a running back. He seems like he's a running back guru. And every year, I just think coming into next year, it has to be a lot of focus on Mason Lloyd, allowing him to not only develop in the uh, read option, but also develop as a passer because that's what really got them back into the game on uh, Thursday was the fact that they were stuffing the run each and every play. And the moment he was able to get out and scramble, he was picking up 8 to 10 yards and then being able to drive the ball. I think if he can focus on his accuracy, he's going to be definitely a dual-threat quarterback next year. And what are some other players that you see that they're going to be losing to graduation this season that will impact the Broncos? Oh, you got to uh, think about Ja'Kai Robertson, not only what he does on defense, offense, but in special teams as well. Tristan Wenta is another key guy. He's uh, one of their long snappers as well. And then uh, uh, players like uh, Terod Kisto, uh, Quentin Jones, Julian Bernard, uh, Michael Whitman back there in the backfield had a great year this year. Uh, Nathan Henderson and Isaiah Wallace. Those are some big pieces that they're going to be losing where we're not sure who's going to be that next guy to step up. It seems like every year it's a senior running back who uh, gets his one year to shine and then he's gone the next year. So it's going to be outside of quarterback and maybe their offense and defensive line. It's going to be some question marks as to who is going to fill those roles. What about the players that are going to be returning that catch your eye? You mentioned one of them being Mason Lloyd. I'm really curious to see what their QB1 does in his senior season with the Broncos. Also guys like Ben Cardenas, Michael Collins, and Alex Miranda. Those are guys that are, are more known to be workhorses on the line. And like you said, we're more curious to see who they get into their system 
that will be able to replace those notable names like Ja'Kai Robertson and Michael Whitman, those guys who were the workhorses for the Broncos this season. And there's one uh, other player that kind of caught my eye on Thursday night, and I think he is a big vocal voice. He He's a little bit undersized for a, a defensive lineman, but he plays with heart and passion, kind of like kind of like a Leland Savidia, where even though they're a little bit smaller, they have that fire and can make plays just by their will and their inspiration alone. And that's uh, number 72, uh, Caden Stambach. This kid, I mean, he's only 5'7", at least what he's listed at, but he plays like he's a lot bigger. He was making some plays in the backfield with uh, Alex Miranda at linebacker. And those two were one of the key pieces as to being able to stop uh, the run game for CDO in that third quarter. So keep an eye for uh, uh, number 72 as well because, like I said, I like the way he plays. I like his passion. And I think overall, if you look at this season, 6-4, and four, a winning record uh, for Post and Butte. I just think if you want to be able to make it to that next level and be considered with the East Marks, the Snowflakes, and these other elite teams like CDO, you got to win those big games, and I think that should be the goal for Post and Butte next year is you got to beat those tough teams that are going to help skyrocket your rankings, and you won't have to play a team like CDO in the first round. Yeah, that is definitely good advice. I would like to advise the players coming in to be dependable and be coachable. You have to want to win in order for your entire team to succeed, and that's not an easy mentality to come into, and you if you notice somebody on your team doesn't have that type of mentality, you got to be that good teammate to help them realize that they have the ability to make it there. Definitely. It's, it's, you know, it's uh, constructive criticism, but when it's your teammate who cares about you and knows you're not living up to your full potential, he's just trying to help you to help the team. Cause overall, that's, what's going to get these guys to another state championship is you got to play team football and help each other out, pick each other up for sure. But let's go into our last playoff game where you were actually there. So uh, I'll let you talk about this game first. Uh, it was the uh, Cougars. Uh, it was the Casagrande Cougars uh, taking on. It was the Casagrande Cougars taking on the Apollo Hawks. Talk to us about that game as the score was fifty-six to twenty-one. When I got there, one thing that was apparent to me was. Apollo has a really good lighting system because when I pulled up and was parking, getting onto the field, I had noticed the field lights were blinking on and off, and I was like, what's going on? And then you hear, touchdown, Apollo, and then I'm like, oh, okay, so they got a good lighting system. Oh, was so, it kind of like uh, Micah Mountain? Mountain, exactly. Okay. So when I got there, I was like, okay, it's pretty packed. The Casagrande's down by two touchdowns. Something that they've been able to overcome in the past, they still got this. But... I had just called you. I told you, I was like, hey, man, I, I'm going to you know, walk down and check out this line and, and, and see what these kids are about. As I'm walking down this line uh, from Apollo, these are grown men. There were very few of them that were 5'8 or under. Everybody else seemed to be 5'10 and above and was very skilled. One thing that definitely stood out to me was that defensive line made Cassegrand's offensive line seem novice they 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 were able to cut past to them and put so much pressure on fatty that 
he was having an off game himself. It wasn't the normal cool, calm, and collected number two that you see in the pocket. This was somebody who was scrambling at will just to, to stop a tackle in the backfield. It, it, was, it was apparent by the look on a lot of the faces that I was able to see on the sidelines that these boys felt like they were going up against grown men, and Apollo just never held back. They, they put their foot on the gas, and then they continued to lay the smackdown on Casa Grande. It, it was very tough, but one thing I want to say is that the Cougars did improve in their second season in 5A. Mm-hmm. Last year, they went 4-6, and six, and this year they went 7-3 and three with the 12-seed playoff appearance. So good things coming for Casa Grande. It took them a while to get to the mountaintop in 4A, and then now they're in 5A. I feel like they still can compete with teams in the 5A, but they're going to have to take these bumps and bruises and maybe go into a 5A Sonoran region or a 5A Southern region and, and start playing those teams in Tucson to build up their ability to start playing these Valley teams. Because one thing is for sure is that these Valley teams are far ahead of these teams down here in Tucson. And so now you're starting to see how the 6A to 2A leveling kind of plays out and why the best of the best kind of are in 6A and then the 5A they're trying to make their way to 6A, correct? Definitely. Well, for me, I think overall a uh, great season, like you said, 7-3, and three, nothing to hang their heads about. Missed the playoffs last year, so a step in the right direction. And uh, they just came up one game short of winning uh, that 5A uh, Southern Region Championship, uh, the game that cost them was that game against Marana. But the one thing I've been thinking about is after that game against Sienega, their last three games up until that game on uh, Thursday night was kind of shaky play from Casagrande to finish up the season. I don't think they had any momentum uh, coming into that playoff game. You talk about the game against Sunnyside where they were barely able to squeak out 14-12 to 12, but had seven players, seven starters, I should say, who were benched and then getting blown out by Marana, who's a team I thought they could definitely compete with, and then barely uh, squeaking by uh, Buena where they had to battle back you know, from a couple scores down. So to me, I think those last three games kind of killed the momentum that they had up until their uh, loss against Micah Mountain that they had built up to kind of get to those last three games. Maybe I'm wrong, but did would you uh, agree or disagree with me on that? No, I, I would say that they, they definitely had a lot of shaky play, and it started with the benching of the starters in that Sunnyside game, but I feel like, yeah, th- this team definitely has some some issues to work out, but it's definitely something that this team can overcome. And I, and I, I definitely agree with that. I just think, uh, like you preach about other teams, this is a team that has to take that step up as far as maturing and being held responsible. You know, Coach Luna did a fantastic job of holding his players accountable for that game against Sunnyside. It's like it doesn't matter who you are on this team, if you're the star or if you are the third-string quarterback. If you don't come and watch film, you don't show up to practice, you're not going to play. And that's what I love about Coach Luna and that you don't see in the other coaches is that he's holding his best players 
to the same standard as everybody else. He's not showing favoritism just because you're the star player and you're going to get uh, a pass because you didn't want to show up uh, to uh, film or to practice and those things. So that's what I love. I just think at the end of the day, in order for this team to be that team of two years ago, that core of team was very mature. They knew what the goal was. They knew where they wanted to be, and they got there. Where this team, and I'll, and I'll kind of take it back to when I played. We won our second state championship in a row. I was a part of that second uh, championship. Coming into the offseason of us trying to go for a three-peat, a lot of those seniors who were there last year weren't there. So we all came in like we won a state championship but we didn't prove nothing. You know, a lot of those core pieces were gone. And so our coach, which is uh, Coach Hernandez, he talked about that. He's like, you guys haven't won nothing. You guys haven't earned, and, you know, you didn't work in the offseason to what these guys did. This is a new team. You have to come in with that same grind and that same hunger because now you have a target on your back. And I think ever since Grand won the 4A state championship, they've had a target on their back coming into 5A. Now these players just have to mature and know where they want to be at the end of the year because I know they want to make it back uh, to a state championship before it's all said and done. Yeah, their their last game against Apollo wasn't a real reflection of how I feel this team can play, but they were just outsized and outmatched on all the skill levels on Thursday night. And to see coaches like Coach Luna and Coach Bear still be encouraging on the sidelines and trying to to hype up their players and say, you know, we can't go down like this. You know, you guys are better than this. And you've seen in in past games, not with this team or in, in any other teams in our county, is players, you know, get down on themselves and some coaches will, you know, make the situation worse. That's something that you don't see with Castro Grant. And I mm-hmm. feel like, again, you hit the nail right on the head. It has to do with the maturity level of these players. A, a good group of them have some of that championship experience because they were there at Sun Devil Stadium when they were uh, able to win the state championship. They didn't have a lot of playing time to be in there to get that type of experience, but it's it's unfortunate that their playoff dreams end here, but I have a feeling they'll be right back in the mix of things next season. And uh, some of the players, I mean, they're losing 16 uh, seniors this year. Uh, Some key ones, uh, James Kelly at wide receiver, Kenny Campbell, a good free safety, Derek Scott at corner, Julian Ramirez, and, of course, the Banks brothers who came uh, from Sequoia Pathway but still have a good core of players. Who are some of those big names? Their quarterback, Fatty Gant. Their center and defensive tackle, Leland Savidia. Jonathan Marley, the junior linebacker. Kendale Cave, the junior wide receiver. Also, Jacob Salinas. And shout out Jacob Salinas for being on the sidelines. I know he wasn't dressed out for the game, but he saw me walking on the sidelines and he said, hey, Luke, what's up? And I wanted to give him a shout out. And other players like Zay Gant, the sophomore wide receiver. And of course, the person who I have a big eye on and is going to be a big question mark because now that football is over, it's his main sport time. It's basketball season. I'm going to be very focused on what is going to happen with Avion Williams. This is a player, like you said earlier, has a target on his back. And, and it's a good target and a bad target. A lot of teams are going to be aiming for him because he's getting a lot of hype and a lot of recognition for his play and his abilities. Another thing is, is that a lot of people are going to be looking at him this way and going to be looking to 
recruit or possibly take him away from Pinal County, especially with him being a sophomore. Mm-hmm. He still has plenty of time to get used to and develop in another system. And I just would like to hope that Mr. Williams stays in Casa Grande to grow there. Yeah, we've seen a, a lot of players, uh, especially in basketball, they're here one moment and the next. But you got to do what's in the best interest of not only yourself, but your family. We totally get that. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping, like you said, he remains a Cougar uh, through the remainder of his high school career. But uh, one of the key uh, positions I want to keep an eye on is who's going to be the key running back. That's, uh, you know, with Nathan Long, another uh, big name that's leaving. Got to uh, definitely fill up that position. I'm just hoping maybe they get a big bruiser that comes across uh, uh, Casagrande and fills that role. But we'll see. Uh, like I said, overall, uh, as far as playoffs go, we had more teams this year in the playoffs than we did last year, jumping from four teams last year to five now. So it's an improvement for Pinal County. Couldn't be prouder of the five teams that made it. And my goal next year is to kind of keep – hoping to see we get more and more teams back in the playoffs. Uh, You know, there's going to be teams we're talking about that were in the playoffs last year, didn't make it this year, and teams that are touching that line as possible contenders to make the playoffs. So overall, congratulations to uh, these five teams here. Uh, You know, nothing to hang your heads about as far as the accomplishments uh, this year, and I'm just hoping that they'll be back next year for sure. But let's dive into the teams that didn't make it uh, this year and kind of go over their seasons. And we'll start in the two-way with ALA Anthem South, who finished 0-10 on the year and 0-6 in the two-way black uh, region. Your thoughts on this team? My thoughts is that this team has a long way to go. I feel like with them only having the short amount of seniors that they will be losing to graduation – it, it, it's tough for this team because they didn't have a lot of time to mesh together. A lot of these kids came from different parts of the state and probably different parts of the nation to finally come here and try to mesh and, and, and get together under the, the, the banner of Titan football. I feel like once these coaches and the program are able to find a solid identity for this team, that they'll be able to get their first win in AIA. They'll be able to be a competitive team in the two-way. One thing that I don't want this team to do is to give up. I feel like with them having the expectations to be able to come into the AIA as a 3A team were some pretty big expectations, and Mm -hmm. they got pushed back into the two-way and showed them exactly what we and everybody else had saw, that they were definitely not ready for that type of competition. But nonetheless, I feel like as a group, they need to find their enthusiasm and and eventually they'll find that intensity and it'll unlock their passion for the game because I don't know what it's going to take for them to build that chemistry to be a winning team because I haven't quite got to see what this team is like, to see how they interact in, in, in adversity and whether they're taking the game seriously or, or what what's it like on that sideline. So I, I would like to say that next season ALA Anthem South does get their first win. Whether or not it happens at home or away is going to be very unclear to see because if you look at their schedule, they played a bunch of tough teams, and it it didn't really show whether they had an advantage on the road or at home. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be really unclear what is to come from this Titans team in the 2024 season. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, I think the biggest thing uh, for ALA Anthem South is going to be participation, getting enough players out there. The more players you have on the sideline, the more players you have coming over the summer, that's more depth that you'll have on your team. Whether they're experienced or not, it's going to definitely help develop this team. Like you said, I think the first goal is to try to pick up that first win And then also, if you look at it, they were shut out five out of their 10 games. So definitely have to work on putting the ball into the end zone. They only scored 73 points the whole year. And then you had the uh, forfeit against uh, Wilcox uh, as well, but gave up 358 points. So you have to kind of mend that gap right there where they're not giving up so many points and you know also being able to put more points up on the board coming into next year it's going to be their second varsity season in two way you're going to have a little bit of experience but I think the biggest thing is how many players are going to come out because when you look at those stats you think of teams like Santa Rita you think of uh, the old Catalina teams of course Catalina was a little bit different this year but the biggest thing is you don't want to be that school that doesn't have enough kids to even fill the team. And then you're kind of stuck in a no-win situation, especially for the kids that want to go out there and try to represent their school. So to me, I think that's where everything starts is trying to get a lot of kids out this summer to buy into this football program. And some players that I'm going to be watching to see if they return are going to be players like Maurice Lewis, the running back who was their rushing leader. They also have their sophomore quarterback, Brady Rushing. And sophomore defensive back, Evan Jones, are just a few players that I'm interested to see if they are able to make their way back into ALA Anthem South and help this team improve. All right, let's move into our last two-way team, and that's the Sequoia Pathway Pumas, who unfortunately forfeited uh, the rest of their season four games into Uh, the young season and this was a team that we didn't get to really follow a lot Uh, had a new coach come in and the program just wasn't what it used to be uh, as far as when coach Donnie uh, was there last year what are your thoughts you know you see uh, the scores that they had in those uh, four games and then you hear the stories about what went on over the not only the summer but coming into this year What are your expectations going forward for a team like Sequoia Pathway? I just want them to get better. There was a lot of dysfunction surrounding this team in this season. And and that's really tough to say considering the fact that the season prior, they were having to deal with an unexpected death on the team. And they, they held it together a lot better than they did this season. One thing that I would like to see from the Sequoia Pathway Pumas is a resurgence. I want them to come back, come back better, and and just mend that reputation because now, no matter how you shape it, it's going to be a, a, a wincing feeling if anybody from that old staff shows up on the sideline and they are going to continue to coach for Sequoia Pathway. And it, it, it's just – Mad unfortunate for, for all the student athletes involved. And another thing I would like to say is, is give an apology to Mrs. Margerum. We uh, unfortunately were not able to make it to your Puma volleyball games. And we would love to go out to a game or anything that you invite us to 
in the future. It's just trying to make things work out with our football schedule. And, of course, with you leaving to Kansas, it was very difficult to get everything to, to, to mesh. But but back to Sequoia Pathway, I, I just wish them the best. I want them to be a force in the 2A again. And I think that next season is going to be the season for them to do just that. And I just have one question for you as far as – the coaching staff. We know their head coach is also their athletic director. Do you think going forward in order for this program to succeed that he can continue to be in those roles and have these kids buy into this program after the way it went this year? Well, with the way things shaked up and it just kind of blew up in their face, I don't know if taking everything away from them is going to be completely fair because, I mean, he went to this school to try to turn over a new leaf. Unfortunately, that leaf fell on the same face. But I don't know. I feel like you can keep him in the AD role, but I don't feel like having him in complete control of the football team would be a good idea. Okay, because my worries is uh, that a lot of these – football players are going to go elsewhere. You know, we talk about the many schools that are in Maricopa now, not only the Rams, but you have uh, the Golden Hawks, and then you have the uh, Heroes at Heritage Academy. So that's my only concern as far as this program being who they were just a year ago and how do how they're able to uh, get back to that standard? So that's uh, that's why I just wanted to ask you that question. But same here, want to see uh, the Pumas be the Pumas of old and get back to their winning ways. But let's go to a team who improved from last year, and that's uh, the Coolidge Bears, who finished their year at five and five on the season. Unfortunately, unable to uh, make the playoffs uh, yet again. But your overall thought on the season for the Bears? Uh, again, this is a team that was five and five. It could have easily been a team that was eight and two, with a couple of close losses to Ben Franklin, ALA Ironwood, and even Pushridge. I feel like this team definitely had the ability to make it there, but was just plagued with injuries at the worst possible times to the worst possible positions. You yeah. think about the illness that uh, Gavin had to deal with in the beginning of the season. You think about Salim hopping into the quarterback position and, and you lose him in the same game. <laughs> immediately getting injured. And then you move Wanya into the position, which which you ultimately feel, okay, what am I going to do as far as receivers when I'm moving my best receiver into my QB spot? So it was very tough for Coach Shanks and the Bears to try to manipulate their way through this season to make it a good season. But nonetheless, 5-5 five and five is nothing to be upset about because – Again, you said it earlier, they improved and they did it in the face of so many tough games. And even even though they did have a five and five record, they still finished in the mid 20s as far as the three A rankings. So nothing to hang your head about if you're a Coolidge Bear. I feel like the injuries and inconsistencies are what caused this group to fold early in the instances where they needed each other most. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they can definitely come a long way in the summer as far as building that team chemistry because 
it's going to be a team that has a lot of question marks hanging over their head. Oh, yeah, especially with losing uh, players uh, this year. Uh, you're going to have Wanye, Gavin, Jaleel, Javante, Andre, Eric Awayo, Salim, uh, Eli Valle is a 100-plus tackler there, Jordan Johnson, and D'Angelo Miles. All play crucial positions. Matthew Makazan, another another team. one, uh, Matthew as well. And so, like, that's pretty much your offense and defensive line right there. You know, that's a couple of uh, players at linebacker and corner. My biggest concern for Coolidge that I saw this year that I, I have not seen improve since we started this, uh, you know, three years ago was the uh, fire that they come out with. They are the flattest team that I see come out week to week. That's not only from the coaches, but that's to the players themselves. Who is going to be that person to hype this team up, to get them fired up? There's nothing they're showing me at the start of a game that they're ready to play. That's my biggest concern for Coolidge. Uh, you know, not only that, but the amount of seniors they're losing – Somebody has to change the narrative when it comes to their pregame rituals, and that's exactly what they are. There is no tradition. Tradition. There you go. That uh, where they're able to come out and represent the Coolidge Bears, as I've seen in the past. You know, you talk about a team like Santa Cruz, who lights up fireworks before their games. People coming out with the flags, getting hyped up, playing music to hype this team up. And I don't see that with the Bears. And that's a very big concern to me because the, this team can't win off just talent alone. A 5-5 five and five record will show you that. The success with this team for varsity begins with a successful JV and junior high program. Right now, I, I don't really know too much about the junior high program. But I can say, and this is not a jab to the coaches on JV, but they have a long way to go when it comes to help building the fundamentals for these players before they go into varsity. A lot of them, I feel, are a little too nice to these players and kind of build up these players a little too much. So that way, when they get there, they feel like, oh, I got this. But it's, it's totally different when you're facing a player on an opposite team who doesn't care about how good you feel about yourself and how well you play. His goal is to make sure that you don't play well. And you got to prove that to not only to yourself, but you got to prove that to the other players and your teammates as well. And I think that that's what is lacking with this Coolidge Bears team is the foundation. They don't have mm -hmm. that set foundation on JV to, to, to give us the, the peace of mind of like, no, oh, well, the JV team went such and such as last year. This next season, they'll be okay. The no. JV team this season had, like you said, problems with participation. Lots of players didn't show up. A lot, lots of times they had to cancel games because they didn't. Quit throughout the season. They had players leave throughout the season. So I feel like that's one of the points of emphasis for Coolidge is to definitely worry about their JV team and how they're going to make this whole entire football program better. Yeah, and I think it starts not only with participation as far as players, but coaching staff. You cannot coach a team with just two coaches on JV. You cannot coach a team and be successful with only four coaches on varsity. If you go look at all these teams and even some of the teams that we uh, cover as well, how many of them can you say are successful that only have four coaches on the sideline? Not many. So those are the biggest concerns I have for Coolidge. I mean, some of the players to watch coming into next year, Gilbert Tapia – 
was a big one. Uh, not only is he in the uh, kicking role, but also developed as a good wide receiver. You'll probably have somebody like uh, Riley Hamilton coming in at quarterback next year unless they probably get a transfer somewhere that can uh, already have some uh, varsity experience. But then everything is going to boil down to one player as of right now, and that's Maurice Glass. He is going to be your featured running back, your featured starting linebacker. I just don't know if he's going to have the longevity to carry this team kind of like an Aiden Williams, especially with the inexperience that they'll have on the offensive line and then to not have that big defensive team that they had this year to help keep your team in games. One thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing the improvements of players like James Tomasea and also Diego Quintana to see how well they are able to not only build their football IQ, but build up their toughness as well because th their size and, and force is going to be something that is definitely needed on that Coolidge offense and defensive line. And do you think that Coolidge could be a contender here in the 3A Central, or is it a team? I know we got a long way till next year, but could be a team that kind of is like us. Uh, the next team we'll talk about, Santan Foothills. I think that they're going to be a team quite like Santan Foothills, a team that's going to have very few bright spots on the team as a whole, but will struggle in, in itself. But talking about Santan Foothills, this is a team that is gifted but was dealt a difficult hand with injuries and will be in a similar position next season with a lot of their experienced players graduating this upcoming spring. They went 3-7 and seven and have plenty of room for improvement, wouldn't you say? No, most definitely. Uh, I think uh, the biggest thing you said was injuries. I think this team, as far as I spoke about it on numerous episodes where – Injuries to your uh, key seniors, your key experienced players, it's just unfortunate that it happened to them this year. They could have possibly been in other games, especially um, against Dysart at the very beginning and even that close one against Coolidge that just somehow slipped out of their hand. But overall, I mean, I can't really sit here and dissect on the season of Santan Foothills without – putting a little asterisk on it with injuries because that's just what it was for them. I don't know if anything, how much they would have improved. They could have probably been a five and five team uh, this year, maybe without the injuries. But at the same time, what is the one thing you think needs to improve when it comes to the Sabercats? I would say it would be the vocal participation. There's a lot of players on this team that I feel could be that focal piece for this team to help help them overcome obstacles you know in the game and help players on the sidelines pick them up when they get down on themselves that's one thing that I see is lacking from the Santan Foothills team and we kind of expected that coming in with a lot of those vocal pieces from last year's team graduating and us not knowing where that voice was going to come from we saw players like David Roboloff provide that type of vocal assistance in the beginning of the season. But as he dealt with his knee injury towards the middle of the season, mm -hmm. that voice kind of, it, it's kind of tough to, to hear that, that cheering coming from your sidelines when it's coming from somebody dressed in, in, in normal clothes. And that's not a stab 
to David because, like I said, I wanted him to get healthy and to not put himself in a position where he's going to injure himself and not be able to play any type of sports at all. So for this next group of guys, players coming back like Dalton, Vision McKee, Jalen Fulton, and Austin Coppinger, those are guys that are going to need to step up not only their play but step up their leadership ability and bring those players back in from the, that those dark depths where they are right now because a lot of them are in that darkness because of doubt and you need to show them that there is a different way to, to go about it and, and feeling down on yourself or thinking that you are less than your opponents is definitely not the way to go. No, absolutely not. And I think uh, for me as a person who watches stats and, you know, tries to watch uh, formations and those uh, type of things, I want to see uh, the Sabercats kind of allow Dalton to air the ball out a little bit more. You know, I think uh, some of the big things, some of the key positions that they had uh, experience in were at wide receiver or tight end, you know, even in the Cohen Scott, who uh, even though he was injured, they still had that experience there. But to me, they didn't have the amount of depth like they did last year in the running back position. So I think somebody who has a great deal of uh, experience in Dalton, you got to let him air it out, especially if he's going to be your main guy on that offense is to be, allow him to take control of the games, kind of how Florence allows Logan, you know, to uh, uh, be able to pass the ball downfield uh, later on in games. Cause you got to change something up. You can't keep uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So I think that's where they just need to improve as far as the offensive end. As far as defense, I thought they uh, played uh, pretty good. Their defense, you know, uh, can't, comes to play each and every game. It's just you, you're going to get drained out with injuries. You don't have that depth, and especially if your offense can't move the ball. All right, now moving into the 4A and talking about another team struggling with injuries, let's talk about the Combs Coyotes. They had a rough and unexpected year in Combs, and this was not an ideal for season for the Coyotes as well. But there's still plenty to learn from this team as this is still a very young group. Mm -hmm. And you said it there again, uh, injuries, uh, def uh, definitely uh, big senior names that we're going to have great seasons this year got lost before the season even started. So, you know, that was definitely unfortunate, uh, you know, but going on the brink of making the playoffs last year to a two and eight record this year, I think that Combs is a team that has nowhere to go but up as they get these uh, players with a little bit more experience, especially the ones that had to step up for those players that went down. They're going to have some great experience coming into next year. It's just the biggest thing is how are they going to maneuver around that tough 4A desert sky. If they're there uh, again next year, which I believe they should, uh, they will be, we'll see if they're able to uh, chop away at some teams and pick up some upsets because now uh, Combs kind of went from a team as a contender to a team that has to surprise a lot of people in order to get back to where they were last year. Yeah, a lot of the players that they'll be losing this season will be their captains, Chase Theobald and Landon Merkley, center Alex Arujo, Juju Carrasco, plus seven other players. So there are a lot of players that are leaving, but that just leaves plenty of room for those players looking to take their spots and to help improve the image of the Coyotes. Some of those players that are going to be coming back are Isaac Jeffcoat. The junior running back was their rushing leader with 71.4 yards a game. 
and Nathan Alvarez was the junior wide receiver who also was their reception leader with 22.3 yards a game. And then if you look at their quarterback's position, something that was really marred in a lot of controversy this year because there wasn't a lot of good play coming from their quarterbacks this season. But their bright spot this season for the QB position would be Kanan Hale, the freshman quarterback who led the team with three touchdowns this season. And that's a young guy. Hopefully he'll get the opportunity to uh, be under center coming into next year. But like I said, a lot of opportunities for Combs to get better. They have such a great coaching staff. A lot of guys that are bought in. It's just now you got to plug those pieces in and hopefully those kids still buy into this program because it's a great program. Like I said, I enjoyed the little bit of time we got to spend with them last year. Unfortunately, we weren't able to make it out to a game this year, but we'll see what happens coming into uh, next year because I like what this community does here uh, at Combs, and I know that they're a team that is not going to be satisfied with being 2-8. and eight. All right, but let's move into another team in their same region. Let's talk about the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks, a team that had every excuse to go winless in their first season in AIA, but managed to go 1-9 and nine with many of those games being very competitive. A new team here, uh, kind of like ALA Anthem South, uh, had a lot of players uh, that had to sit out due to uh, transfer uh, protocol. Uh, once that kind of changed, you had Vinny Sanchez, who came over from Sequoia Pathway, plugged into the starting role, helped uh, bring a little bit of life at quarterback. But I think this is a team that has a lot of upside if they continue to buy into this program. I know uh, one of the things you talked about was not only – believing in each other as far as players but as far as coaches as well and not a lot of bickering on the sidelines and showing them that you're one you're you're a unit y'all will you know live and die together and go out and put up some uh good games it's just unfortunate for uh this team like i said kind of like combs you're in that 4a desert sky and then on top of it they had to play uh some uh tough opponents as well uh outside of uh their region and so it's just a learning curve for this team. First year, I will always give the considerations that most new teams are not going to have a successful year, but what can you do with the players that are going to be returning next year and how are you going to get better? No, they had some very close games with teams like Copper Canyon, Flagstaff, and even Combs. And this kept the group from being at the rock bottom of the AIA rankings. And I feel with just a few minor self-adjustments, this team will be able to make a splash next season in the 4A. And I think you, know, you had noted no seniors on this team. So, Zero. So that chemistry is going to uh, play a factor coming into next year, especially when this core group gets another season, another summer to build that chemistry. So looking forward to uh, what Desert Sunrise uh, has coming into next year. Uh, you know, I know that – they probably will hang their heads about this season. But like I said, such a learning curve, especially being thrown into the 4A and the 4A Desert Sky. But nothing to hang their heads about. I think overall, I love the passion of this team. And I know that the successes will be coming in the years to come. All right. Now let's talk about the team up in the northeast of the county. And that is the Apache Junction Prospectors. This season was not nice for the Gold Diggers. They had a really tough year, and they definitely have to rediscover themselves as a team 
And this season, with them losing over 13 season to graduation, I feel like this is another group that will have open doors for those people looking to, to fill those roles of the players that will be moving on in graduation. Yeah, and I think one of the big things, when I should say the big story that came from this team was Isaiah Savoy transferring away from Apache Junction. I know they had a lot of high hopes for him coming back this year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that wasn't the case. But to me, one player does not dictate a team. And, you know, they lost uh, two uh, key players uh, last year to graduation. So it was going to be a learning curve, uh, whether we liked it or not. Did I expect this big of a dive for a team that made it to the playoffs last year? Not uh, quite there. Uh, you know, not quite, but at the same time, um, I've gone over it a lot when I've seen the stats and I've kind of seen the play is they rely too much on just a few players. I would like this team to develop not only their main core, but also get other people involved in case you have a situation where injuries play uh, your team and you at least have those players that are experienced enough to step into that role. But if you look at it, a lot of their key offensive drives were produced by their quarterback and their running back, not really anybody else. Mm -hmm. and, and that is Mr. Aiden DeLeon, who had 17 passing touchdowns and 12 rushing touchdowns. He was their most utilized player on offense. And with those numbers, it's easy to see why, but it's also easy to see why they weren't able to succeed as much as they did in the past because they were simply relying on just their ground game. I feel like if they are able to build up Aiden's arm and, and find him some solid receivers and, and give him some good targets that are going to be able to free themselves up and, and give him some good space, I think that the prospectors will be able to put themselves back into the playoff picture, but it may be a season or two before they get there. Yeah, I was just going to say that as well. It's going to be a little bit, uh, especially with them playing in the 4A East Sky where you have East Mark, Post and Butte, Snowflake, and Marcos Deniza who are playoff caliber type teams. So it's going to be a, a tough stretch, but it doesn't mean that it cannot be done. So I'm hoping the prospectors get back to the drawing board and come into next year ready to grind it out because that's what they're going to need in order to be successful in that 4A uh, East Sky. And some of the players that they're going to be losing this year to graduation, last year's breakout special teams player of the year, Nick Avalos-Laura, Ben Valenzuela, who had nine receiving touchdowns and one fumble recovery, and also their wide receiver, Dennis Church, who was their reception leader, with 52 and 102.4 yards a game. So some people that are going to be definitely missed from the prospectors, but definitely looking forward to seeing which of those prospectors are going to keep digging and find their way into the starting lineup. Well, let's dive into our last 4A team, which is the Vista Grande Spartans, who had such a great year this year, the best start in school history and finishing 7-3 and three, uh, to end the season. But coming up just a little bit short, I believe they finished 18th or 17th in the 4A rankings. And so they were right there, just couldn't get the love from the AIA to get into the playoffs. It was a team that I definitely thought had the chances to get in. But where do you think things kind of fell off for Vista Grande, even though they had such a great season? 
I would say it would happen to have been their homecoming game when Fernie got injured. I feel like that definitely took a lot of the wind out of their sails as they are primarily a run-first team. And that's nothing against Brendan Hunt because he definitely has a lot of good wide receivers on his team, like Darnell Castro. You also have Darius Brown out there. So he has plenty of weapons to choose from, but it, it was just really tough for this Spartans team when their heart and soul of their offense went down with injury and they weren't quite able to get the type of performance out of their other players in his absence. No, I definitely would agree with you there. Uh, losing Fernando definitely changed the offense for uh, Vista Grande. But one of the things I think for a team like this who finishes 7-3, and three, all of their wins were against teams with losing records. Not to say they didn't take care of business because they absolutely did. And not only did they take care of business, they were blowing teams out, especially uh, early on in the season. One of the things I need to see from Vista Grande going into next year, if they want to make that leap into the playoffs, is beating playoff caliber teams, especially the ones in their own uh, region, being Arizona College Prep, Arcadia, and Mesquite. If you look at those three games right there, those are their only losses, but at the same time, they only scored two or more touchdowns in one of those games, and that cannot happen if you want to be considered for the playoffs, especially when the other part of your schedule, those seven games, are not going to help your strength of schedule, especially with those teams having losing records. But I think if they're able to take that next leap and knock off a team, that, and I had said it all season long, it's going to come down to what you do against those teams because if you do – uh, have successes against playoff teams you're gonna jump way up in the rankings they just were unable to at least beat one of those teams let alone lose to all three yeah they had their toughest games against the three teams that you had mentioned before but I feel like beating a team like Prescott actually changed the tides for the Spartans because that's what actually gave them that bit of momentum going into the game against Desert Sunrise which is a game where Fernie got injured. Mm -hmm. And after that, that's when things kind of fell apart for them, especially having to face Arizona College Prep that very next week. So I feel like once they're able to get healthy and then find their rhythm as a team and, and they're able to further incorporate their, their aerial attack into their offense, I feel like this team is definitely going to be a threat in the 4A. Absolutely. And an, uh, uh, a team that you can earmark for the playoffs for sure next season. I definitely will agree with that. You know, uh, even with the players that are graduating, Darnell Castro, uh, Darius ba uh, Brown, Angel uh, Chavez, Jordan Montijo, and Gabriel uh, Barrera, they still have a good returning core. Uh, you know, you talk about Fernando Moya, Tommy Ortega, Brendan Hunt at quarterback, uh, Tayon Green, and Quentin Martinez, just to name a few. This team, I like the development this is a team that has a pipeline uh, coming from junior high. They have, or you know, I should even say, in uh, Pop Warner football with the Scorpions that are making their way to Vista Grande. They have a good JV team that uh, had a lot of successes this year. So they're only going to get better, and that's what we talk about is the difference between a lot of our Pinal County teams. Is where is your development coming from? Florence has a great development. Um, 
Casa Grande has a great development, and now you're seeing uh, the fruits of their labor at Vista Grande having that development all the way from Pop Warner into uh, varsity football. So, But I'm wishing uh, them nothing but the best, and I hope that coming to next year we're going to see that team make that jump just like you said. But let's wrap things up with our final team, which is our other 5A team, the Maricopa Rams, who finished 4-6 and six on the year and had a big surprise winning more games, I think, this year than they had the previous three. So your thoughts on the Rams as they looked like they were one of your favorites uh, throughout the course of the season. Oh, they were. They definitely kind of pulled at my heartstrings and ended up being one of my favorite teams to look forward to seeing how they progressed. This year's Maricopa Rams team defied the odds to come away with a near 500 season with a 4-6 and record after going winless last season. The Rams had plenty of games that were within reach, and they had their best season since 2018 when they had a playoff appearance against Williamsfield. And do you know who was on that team in 2018? I'm thinking, uh, if I'm thinking, of college player? College player. Uh, he played for U of A? Plays for U of A. Uh, Cohen? Jacob Cowing. He was, Cowing, there he, you go. Cohen, Cowing, I... I, I leave the mispronunciations to you, but <laughs> he, he, he was definitely a part of that team, and I had given him a message on social media, and this is me putting it out publicly. Jacob, I, I hope you're hearing this. If you do hear this, we would like to have you on the show. We would love to hear about your stories going from Maricopa to UTEP to making your way back into Arizona. So if you hear this, the door is wide open. You can come into the VB studios, and we'd love to have you on. Uh, But going back to this year's Maricopa football team, I want them to take this season as a reminder of who they really are as a team and just reflect on the ways that they can get better and be a more viable threat in the 5A. We already seen it this season as as they prepared for their game against Casa Grande, usually a game where they come into it knowing that they're probably going to get their head smashed in. But this season they came in with a little bit more swagger because they came into that game with a couple of wins under their belt. And I feel like next season when Casa Grande and Maricopa play, it's going to be a lot closer game than a lot of people think. All right. You're already putting that one out there. Uh, as for me, I think overall I overlooked Maricopa uh, this year. I thought they were going to be the team of old, especially losing uh, some key players from last year's team. But one of the uh, my favorite players to watch this year was uh, Jose Cardona Jr. at quarterback. He, to me kind of uh, put my foot in my mouth as far as what I was thinking this offense was going to be and he he's only going to get better he's only going to get bigger and I think uh, once he puts on a little bit of size he's going to be a good 5A quarterback especially a dual threat quarterback the one thing I think coming into next year has got to be not only picking up more wins maybe having a winning record But also that 5A Sonoran region is going to be up for grabs each and every year, especially with teams leading the pack like Ironwood Ridge and Tucson. Those are two up-and-coming teams. Mountain View uh, was another team we got to see this year. But uh, overall, uh, Maricopa finished 2-3 and in there, and so they were only two wins away from possibly being 5A uh, Sonoran uh, champions. I definitely did not have them in that boat. But at the same time, you cannot be disappointed with the season that uh, the Rams had, especially when 
they had so many down years and going winless. I mean, you can't ask for nothing better than to be one game away from 500. No, me personally, I'm happy with the Rams and their successful rebound season this year. And I hope that they can find more success in the 5A Sonoran region and are able to take away the crown from the current 5A Sonoran region champs, and that's the Ironwood Ridge Nighthawks. So, and that was a team we were sitting there like, how they rank so high? But either way, they, they it, did it their makes job. Sense. Now, now that the season's over, it kind of makes sense of where they were and who they are. So some of the players that they're losing to graduation this season that stand out to me are Max Siegel, Jackson Hacker, and Colton Richardson. Some of the players that we got to keep our eye on to come back are definitely quarterback Jose Cardona Jr., Derek Day, and Isaac Lopez. All players that I'm looking forward to seeing back in the black and red for Maricopa. And I know that they're going to be huge parts in their success in the next season to come. Well, that was 14 teams up, 14 teams down. And that kind of wraps up our 2023 uh, football season here for Pinal County Sports. Overall, what did you enjoy most about this year? The one thing that I enjoyed the most this year was definitely the travel. I feel like the times where me, you, Chris, and there were times that it was your brother Benji coming with us. And the last game of the season, we were, we were fortunate to have Coach Aaron Monteverdi and Maurice Glass attend the, the game with us at ALA Ironwood. It was an overall great experience. There was so many people that I wanted to thank from every school. I mean, if I know that we've been here for almost an hour and a half. I feel like I can go for <laughs> at least another hour just name-dropping people Absolutely. who I'm very thankful for. But it was a great season nonetheless. I feel like each year we do this, it just keeps getting better and better. Like, we go in doing something, we learn from our mistakes, we try to get better, and we go back out there. We learn from our mistakes, we go back out there. This being our third year, we've added so many different elements from where we first originally started. And you think about where our journey started Mm -hmm. and how things are now, it's completely different. Like, we started our journey three years ago just trying to highlight the kids in our neighborhood, basically, to let their parents know what was going on ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a position where we're giving each other phone calls because the Dean is following (laughs) us on Twitter or X. Shout out to the Dean. However you want to call it. We, we got Kevin McCabe on our followers list. Like he's keeping an eye on what we're doing to us. That's a blessing because Mm -hmm. it was just a couple of decades ago. We were kids watching him on channel 10 doing the sports. And now he's keeping an eye on what we're doing. So it's an amazing feeling to feel this type of love and respect from our community and people outside of our community that, that aren't even in Pinal County, but mm-hmm. are consistently wanting us to go out and visit them and give their student athletes a shout out and give them some, some, some kudos. And I, I love that, bro. Like the feeling that I get whenever I put on the VB polo or, or I put on a hoodie and I go out and go out to these games it's it's unbelievable, bro. Like, and I feel that comes second to when we get to see players like Angel, like out out at NAU. When mm-hmm. I get to scroll on my my Instagram feed and I see him on the game day graphic, I gotta comment and say some things never change because it was just a couple of years ago that I was looking for photos of him to put on hard <laughs> graphics. So it's a great feeling and 
to know that we have so much potential here in the county that that is going noticed now. Mm-hmm. It, it's an unbelievable feeling, bro. No, I can definitely 100% agree with you on that. Uh, as far as for me uh, introducing the thing I kind of wanted to go into as far as a career goes, as far as uh, the next way to elevate what we do, you know, we started taking pictures and doing highlight videos to now broadcasting games. I think that to me, that was one of the biggest accomplishments that I wanted for us this year. And even though at times it seemed like the internet kind of was getting in our way or, you know, as far as uh, locations or even weather for that matter, I think overall being our first year broadcasting, it was a success to me. I hope that coming into next year, you know, we're going to have a different game plan. We're going to be able to uh, connect more with these schools to try to get a better Wi-Fi source. So that game way there's no glitch in the games and, or anything like that. But that was one of the biggest things I wanted to do uh, coming into this year. I know I shot it out to you uh, over the summer and we made it happen. And I think, being able to give a different dynamic than people watching it on NFHS or on other schools, YouTube links is that having a voice over the game, uh, whether it's uh, students, whether it's us, it doesn't even matter who it is. As long as somebody's doing that and giving you that professional element or uh, college element of having a voice in there describing the games to you is so uh, it's a whole different dynamic Uh, You know, going back when I was watching the NFHS games and it's kind of like Chris always speaks of it. It's kind of like watching a silent film because all you're getting is a little bit of the crowd noise, a little bit of the hit action, but nothing that is really giving you any information. And that's all I wanted to do this year. So overall, I think uh, we did a heck of a job, especially for us being limited with the amount of people that we do have at times, only three, maybe four of us out there and it's only going to get better. I think coming into next year, we know uh, where we're going to attack things as far as not only getting more equipment uh, to have multiple angles on the field, but getting a little bit more uh, participation, which I know we want to reach out to a lot of the schools and see what student athletes might be interested in a career in sports broadcasting or videography or anything of that nature. And so I'm excited to uh, see what the future holds for us. I'm excited to see uh, what next year holds for all of uh, our Pinal County teams, as well as the other Southern Arizona teams that reached out to us, or even the kids now in, in Phoenix that are kind of like, Hey man, why, why am I not in your guys's rankings or on your guys's list? So those, like you said, are big eye openers when it comes to the amount of people that are not only listening to this, but also watching what we do. And uh, I think at the end of the season, uh, you know, this is kind of wrapping up year three of football. It's been successful each and every year. And I know we're going to continue that uh, trend as we get ready for baseball and softball. Uh, But before we wrap up the show, uh, I know we wanted to talk about coming into football is not done quite yet because we have our end of the season awards uh, and we're going to do an episode uh, for that uh, next week but uh, what are you looking forward to uh, on that show as far as talking about uh, some of the top players here in Pinal County I'm looking forward to getting some of the the old school awards I should say out of the way we got our offensive player our defensive player we got a coach and a special teams player in mind 
But this year we're adding a little bit something different, a new element to our award season. We're going to have a team of the year, a comeback team of the year. We're going to have many more different categories that are going to be more inclusive for our county and the other teams surrounding it that will give them a better chance of getting more recognition because of of great catches, just tough plays, and and all those things will not go unnoticed. We want to recognize all these student-athletes for their hard work, so be on the lookout on our social medias because we're going to be giving you a hint to what these categories are, and then on our next show, which will more than likely be released on a regular schedule, we just had to come in and get this show out for you guys as as soon as we knew that football kind of wrapped up for us here Mm -hmm. in Arizona. So I I know that that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. And one thing we did last season that we're going to try to do again this season but change it up a a bit is me and you drafting our fantasy football teams. Oh, yeah, everybody likes that one. And, And I know that that's something that I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to pick my team name, pick my uniform, have you pick your team name and uniform, and then that phone call. Maybe this year we do something different. Maybe we go live on Instagram and we do our, our draft live and everybody <laughs> get to see who we pick back and forth that way. All right. No, we definitely could do that. Uh, and then uh, even to kind of with the draft, we might have a varsity breakdown, kind of like all pro team. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to be something to look forward to. Uh, but either way it goes, man, it's been a great season uh, for football. You know, uh, kudos to all of the teams uh, this year who uh, improved, who uh, you know, just made it through the season, but to our five teams that made it to the playoffs, hope to see them back next year. And one day we might be able to say we might have 14 teams in the playoffs in Pinal County. That'd be the ultimate goal uh, one day. But either way it goes, I think we can end the show right there. Uh, be on the lookout uh, as we're going to start doing uh, our uh, varsity breakdown shirts and getting our scholarship shirts uh, getting made. Uh, so if you're interested in uh, getting an order on that, look for uh, Lupe will probably send out uh, what each uh, shirt will look at. And that's my our next goal right there is to uh, get ready for uh, some scholarships. Man, I, again, I can't wait to come back next week and for us to discuss these, let's call them the VBs, the, the winner <laughs> of the awards, the, the, the winner of the VB goes to. I think that's that's something catchy we can work on. I, I'll I'll make it stick like fetch. No, uh, we'll definitely uh, be on the lookout for that. But bro, if we ain't got nothing else, it's been uh, a couple weeks. I'm ready for you to end the show the way you know how. Take it easy.